are listening to the CXMH podcast. CXMH is a podcast at the intersection of faith and mental health. Welcome back to the show. My name is Robert Vore, <laughs> and I'm joined as always by our co-host, Dr. Holly Oxhandler. Holly, how are you today? Hey, Robert. I'm doing good. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> oh, I feel, yeah, I feel like I need a couch that good. Like the last 30 minutes have been good. How's that? Is that fair? So sure, yeah. for that, living in this minute by minute, moment by moment right now, yeah. I'm good. Yeah. Oh, man. I should I should actually ask, do you want me to stop it and start it over? Oh, I don't care. I, I don't care, okay. honestly. Yeah, no, no, no. We could we can do that. As long as it I doesn't... I mean, I don't care, I'd, you know, as long no, as you're okay I, with... You <laughs> all know. of that laughing... No, I mean, maybe it'd be People good. need some laughter, you People know. People need laughter. That's right. We actually, we had um, a, we had a call with our neighbor tonight who um, their son is, you know, really good friends with Callie and it's been so hard not getting to see them and hang out with them. And, you know, we'll like kind of shout across the street every now and then. And, but we FaceTimed with them tonight and it was, we just had like a hardcore case of the sillies and laughter and like the kid just playing with a little like filter on the phone and like just the things yeah. that are making us laugh right now are yeah. good so anyways yeah. yeah but what about yeah. y'all how's what's how's the war household what are y'all up to um we're we're doing well yeah it's um you know it's I, I I do kind of feel like now I keep coming on saying like oh no kind of update you know but it it mm-hmm. kind of you know Obviously, uh, things are happening rapidly on like the large scale, but it also in the day to day feels a little bit like we're in this holding pattern mm-hmm. because the like kind of major shifts haven't quite impacted like the things on the day to day level aren't shifting quite as rapidly as like the first bit, you know? Yeah. Um, because no, things are happening on such like a large scale. And so mm-hmm. not a lot of like day to day changes. I did go. I went to the grocery store today in a mask for the first time, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. it was surreal. Like it's yeah. it, it's hard to describe because obviously, like I've worn that mask before. They're you know like construction ones we have or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I've been to the grocery store, and I've even been to the grocery store in the past few weeks where some of the other people were wearing masks. Uh huh. But something about wearing the mask myself, and then obviously like a higher percentage of people wearing masks felt so like viscerally different that I was like oh this feels like way weirder and like yeah I don't know no I because it's like not that big a thing but also it's like no it's big you know so yeah no my sister it's so funny that you say that because I got a text from my sister uh today so she was standing outside the grocery store like in the line you know with the six feet between you know, each person. And she took a picture of like all the people and everyone's wearing a mask. And she actually said like, this is the hardest grocery trip so far because every single person is wearing a mask. And same thing, kind of what you were saying where before she wasn't or some, most people weren't, you know, she was, but most people weren't. And now everyone is. And it's just hard to find those little like glimmers of hope when so much has changed in that space, I guess. No, I I totally 
it's our brains are trying to make sense of things that they have never had to make sense of before as long as they've existed, I think. Yeah. And yeah. it's just hard to to wrap some understanding or association around things that we're seeing now that we just haven't seen it before or experienced before. So yeah, it's yeah. been hard, but that's yeah, weird. Well, how I'm curious, are there, do you have like a funny story about, or I guess what's the, what's the like most mm. interesting moment? And if it's funny, then it's funny. Um, but of trying to balance uh, work life and home life, given that so much of that for a lot of us is like happening all in the same place now. Um, like if you were, as an example, recording a podcast intro and, and then my your son, son came decides in, to come in and tell that me his that pillow his, was broken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a hypothetical example. <laughs> yeah, because that does not happen in, in, in my life. Um, yeah. I mean, that probably – that could be the most – I don't know. I feel like every day there's just a thing. And they're not like – they're not my kids coming in, creeping into the room with like national television, you know, streaming me. Like I haven't had that happen. Right, 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 right. Yeah, but no, I think that or – Honestly, I I just think that it's having, you know, all of us here in the house all the time. It is really, I'm so used to being able to compartmentalize my brain. So it's like, I am focused on work stuff and here we go with work. And like, here's what I'm doing with either work or with writing or research or whatever. And then, you know, I yeah. can come home and, you know, I still kind of have work on my mind in the same way that I still have family on my mind with while I'm, while I'm doing work stuff. But I just think it's just purely the shift between like writing very serious emails and then walking out the door and like walking into whatever latest thing is, you know, going on between my kiddos is yeah. just, and then having to be like, okay, now can I like go back in here and like finish this email or, you know, yeah, or yeah. help them with whatever it is that they need. Um, I just think that that quick shift back and forth all the time between, what my kids need, what Corey needs, and what with what work needs and what I need. It's yeah. I don't know. But the funniest yeah. probably would be Oliver coming in about you know, telling me his pillow's broken. That's <laughs> probably that's probably up there. Well, speaking of kind of balancing those two things, right? Mm -hmm. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about this week's episode? So this week we have um, Dr. Karen Melton and Dr. Sarah Perry, who are both associate professors at Baylor University on to tell us a little bit about um, some of their research around um, working from home and family leisure. So Sarah studies uh, working from home and, and is doing a lot of great work right now in this big transition with a lot of folks who are shifting to work from home and, and Karen does a lot more of this research around family leisure activity. And then I just thought, you know, especially in light of everything and the fact that, you know, that, that we're all shifting to working from home and juggling new schedules and new rhythms with families and trying to navigate some of the complexities and difficulties of everything going on. Um, I just thought it would be a really perfect time to bring the both of them on to kind of bounce, you know, ideas and thoughts off one another as we talked about everything that's happening. So, all right. I guess with that, here is our episode with Drs. Karen Melton and Sarah Perry. 
Hey, so this week we have Drs. Karen Melton and Sarah Perry on the show. Um, Drs. Karen Melton and Sarah Perry are both associate professors at Baylor University. Um, Dr. Melton specifically is in the Family and Consumer Sciences Department at Baylor, um, and specifically within Child and Family Studies. She received her Bachelor's of Science in Therapeutic Recreation from the University of South Alabama, and her Master's and PhD in Youth Development from Texas A&M University. Dr. Melton is a leading expert and researcher on creating and maintaining healthy family contexts and how that impacts child development. Dr. Sarah Perry is, again, an associate professor in management in Baylor's Hank Gammer School of Business. She received her Bachelor's of Science from the University of Missouri in Computer Science and her Master's and PhD in Industrial and Organizational Psychology at the University of Houston. Dr. Perry is a leading expert in research on remote work. And just fun fact for our listeners, Karen and Sarah and I are dear friends who get together once a month and have since our first year at Baylor together. So I'm so, so excited to get to have the both of them on together this week to chat. So welcome, Sarah and Karen. How are y'all? Hello. Thank you for having us. Yes, this is exciting that we finally get to do this together. I know. This is so fun. I I feel like I should state that I've never once been invited to these weekly hangouts. (laughs) That's a real real blow. Yeah, well, we can FaceTime you in the next time we go to Magnolia Table for breakfast. How's that, Robert? Only if uh, like a week before you mail me some food, I guess. (laughs) It'll be good. It'll be good. That's awesome. Well, is there anything that I missed in your bios there that y'all want to share? No, I think that sounds good. Yeah, I think you covered it. Awesome. Well, I'm specifically wanting to bring you both on together today, not only because, A, I love just getting to hang out and talk with the both of you, but because we're seeing that although work is changing very drastically for many of us, our family lives are changing too in the midst of all these changes. I recognize that that there are many who are fortunate enough to be able to shift to work from home right now and, and are trying to navigate that, that new territory and that throughout that shift, there's also this impact on not only our work rhythms and balance, but also our engagement with those who are also in our home, including our families and loved ones. And so I really was excited to bring you both on just to think about well, how do we pay attention to all, both of these areas within our lives as we are shifting and changing. So um, Sarah, I am going to start with you, if that's okay. That's great. So for those, again, for those of us who are now lucky enough um, to have this flexibility in many ways to shift to working from home, I'd love to hear you unpack a bit about like how do we begin setting up appropriate boundaries and rhythms in this new way of working, recognizing that, you know, for, for many of us, it probably doesn't look the same as it did before. That's right. It's a big shift, especially if you haven't been working remotely in the past. So for these newbies that are just now starting remote work or have been for the past couple of weeks, uh, I think it's important to consider the schedule and the structure that you had at work and the needs that you have met by work. Uh, For example, just a need to relate with other people, a need to 
accomplish certain tasks and to feel like you have done some certain things during the day and really even a need to have this professional identity separate from your personal identity with your family, who you are at home versus who you are at work. Um, so just to recognize how different that's going to be at home is the first step. And then to set up the boundaries in terms of physical and schedule and time to help you stay focused. Um, of course, there's going to be some transition as we get to this point um, where we're, I guess, maximally productive during this crazy time just because of all the other things going on around us. But if we can set up some basic structure in terms of where am I going to work? Do I have a physical space where I can separate from the rest of my home life that I can designate as my spot to work? Uh, if you don't have a place where you can close the door and really separate it off, then at least think about physical boundaries, maybe um, more invisible, but for you, you know, is it a spot at your kitchen table or is it somewhere in your living room that's a little bit separate that you're not going to hang out there when you're not working? And some people set up multiple workstations so that you can kind of rotate around or share it with your family where you each are at your own spot. So that's the physical boundaries. If you don't have a place where you can close the door and leave at the end of the day, then it's really important to at least do some things that simulate that boundary of the end of the workday. Because otherwise, one of the things we know about remote workers is it's very easy to intensify your work. That means you continue to work, you continue to think about work, you never really shut it off because you never actually leave if you're working at home. So have some routines. Maybe it's at the end of the day, I'm going to shut my laptop and I'm going to put it all away and clean off the surface where I've been working. And that can at least mentally shift you into the leisure time where you can start to restore and connect with your family a little more intentionally. That's really hmm. good. No, that's helpful. Yeah, well, I think. Go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna. Yeah, I was gonna say one of the things I started doing probably a year ago, even before I was doing all my sessions from home, right, is turning the the email on my phone to where I had to go and tell it to to get new. Like I had to tell it to refresh for it to pull any and any like push notifications turned off from that because otherwise, you know, if an email rolls in from someone at work or whatever, then I have to kind of actively choose to ignore it versus, okay, I, I'm, I'm not seeing them come in. I, I, they're not popping up with the little red bubble. And so it's easier to not like, I don't have to actively not answer it, right? I can just, mm -hmm. I'll check it again tomorrow morning. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So to help yourself manage the interruptions that come from work during home time and from home during work time. And of course, we're more integrated right now. So we have to manage going back and forth across that boundary all day, which is a strain in itself. But the more you can do to help yourself not be interrupted whenever you're in a certain domain by the other domain, that's really helpful. I think that's really good. Yeah, I like that. So one of the things, so I like the way in which you talked about that physical space and being mindful of physical boundaries. And I loved how you, you know, you kind of hinted talking about shifting to leisure. And I'm excited to to talk with Karen too about what that looks like, you know, and how we're intentional around that. But when it does come to working at home, one of the things that I've kind of been mindful of in the last, I guess, couple of weeks is that there are some things that are pretty obvious for us to consider. Like I think what you mentioned about, you know, finding a physical space and 
just making sure that, you know, we're being mindful of where we are and maybe where other people in our home are. But are there some, perhaps, some things to consider that may not be so obvious that, you know, like I think what you had just mentioned about having a specific spot that's just focused on work, that seems to be a little bit more subtle. But what other Mm -hmm. things might there be? Yeah, one of the things that you might not realize is if you are used to working in the office, you have a transition time as you're coming home. So there's usually we have this period of time where we sort of set down our work out of our mind and we we probably have some sort of routine that helps us do that. So a lot of people will call someone on their way home from work. Like I, a lot of times I call my mom, you know, something like that, where you just have a conversation with someone that kind of eases you out of your work brain for the evening. Other people will exercise something to sort of get you to transition because it is hard to just, you're getting up from your desk at the kitchen table and now you're going into the kitchen to start to cook dinner and you just jump right there. And some people can do that really well. But if you find that you're having a hard time disengaging, then maybe a transition time can help you do that. Maybe it's just a walk around the block or maybe you go outside and you listen to a podcast or you call someone or something that helps you relax and get your brain sort of slowly off of work. That Yeah, no, that's super helpful. Well, we hmm. just we just started talking about family leisure a moment ago. And so I'll let Robert edit this out. But I was trying to discern whether or not to like just focus on one or another or to like bounce back and forth. But I think we're going to bounce back and forth if that's okay with y'all. So that sounds great. Um, I was actually okay. thinking, <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, because as soon as she started talking about transitioning in time, I was like and exercising and calling someone. I was like, yes, we're into the leisure space yeah, now. Yeah, so, yeah. and I think that that's the fun piece about work-life balance is that we, while we, while we're both like it, um, experts in like uh, uh, deep in the domain of either work or leisure, that really there's that edge and that fray where they kind of overlap a lot. And so um, it it is some, and and that's the space that we're speaking into because our worlds are overlapping so much right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Well, we, I mean, so we are kind of stepping into this area about family leisure. So can you tell us, Karen, about why intentional family leisure is so important for us overall? And then perhaps especially in the, in the midst of everything going on right now? Well, so uh, family leisure is always important and being intentional with our family time is always important. Um, we just find ourselves in a, a new space that's a little different from, for not, maybe not for all families, but for most families we're we're, we're seeing things a little different where um, we weren't used to having so much family time together. And so we're not used to having to uh, designate um, so much family time will be used for this or family time will be used for this. Um, we're instead, we're used to other people dictating how that, how our time will be used. Um, and so we have our school time and our work time. Um, but for those of us who've had to integrate family and work time all in the same physical space of our homes, we are having to be a little bit more mindful of those boundaries around time and, and how we're going to use time. And so um, it is important to be intentional and, and purposeful about 
what times we want to spend together for the purpose of connection, which is really where family leisure time comes into play is, uh, is, is us wanting to connect with the, the people that we, we live with. Um, and so it is important that we, we do spend some time thinking about how we are going to continue to connect, even though we're always in the same space day after day, and it may feel like everything's family time and that we end up letting go of being intentional with that time of truly connecting just because we always feel like we're in each other's space. And so really it's, it's very similar practices as to what uh, Sarah was saying. It's just with a different purpose. Um, it's, it's us thinking again about um, setting up physical space that's meant for family to be together and, and what we're going to do in that space. And also then again, um, maybe schedule is also very important. I know during the day, this, this doesn't work for everybody, but for us, we've definitely continued on with work and uh, school during the majority of the daytime. But as soon as we go to dinner time, we know that that's a transition point for us into family time. And we've always during the season, we've we've dedicated one activity for every single night of the week so that we kind of know what that family activity is going to be. And that provides us a sense of, of routine and knowing what day of the week it is, because I don't know if you guys have gotten into this, yeah. spot, but in our family, <laughs> yeah. we're like, is it Monday? Mm-hmm. Is it Wednesday? Is it Saturday? Like you, the, mm-hmm. the, the time just feels different, right? And so by having certain days, we're like, okay, on Monday night, we do this. Just like many of us were familiar with Wednesday night activities. We knew exactly what day of the week it was and that we had our Wednesday night set routine and activities, kind of having that idea of what is going to be the family night kind or family activity helps set up that idea of, of time within our week. And so again, that can be one way that we do that. And again, it provides a little bit of predictability. And as humans, we like routine and, and in, in times of chaos and change and new transitions, it is very human nature to become actually more rigid and repetitive in our behaviors just so that we, there's a little bit more control while everything else, while there's so much out of our control. And so it, it can be helpful for some families to set up some type of uh, routine family schedule like that. But it's also important what we know from family leisure research is that we provide some novelty to what we're doing um, Mm. so that we don't get bored or just get into some routine and we're like, oh, great, it's another game night where we're going to play the board games. You know, providing some type of novelty is always a good way to keep things interesting and to help us grow in our relationships. So that's just a couple Mm. things to get us started. Yeah. So I love so far what both of y'all have said in terms of kind of being really intentional about this space, this time, these transitions, right? Like things like that. But, you know, I know for a lot of folks right now, they say, okay, that's all well and good. But right now I'm trying to, you know, I get up early and I work from nine to nine, 10, and then my daughter needs help with this Zoom call with her teacher. So I do that for a couple minutes and then I go back and work Mm -hmm. while she's right. Like there's this constant Mm -hmm. all day is kind of all of it like smashed together. Mm -hmm. So in terms of sorting through that, right, where you can't say, okay, I'm going to go in this room and work for five hours and then I'll come out and play for three or whatever it is. Any tips on like keeping those things kind of flexible or or making that less of a confusing kind of mashup? I I think flexibility is so key to the, the season that we're all living through. Um, but at the same time, it's so important that we do set up some protective factors around our family and the new boundaries that we're having to create so that we can have create some 
sense of routine for our families, which again, as we just discussed, is is very human nature that we crave that that sense of routine. And and people are probably not going to like this next statement that I'm going to say, but I'm going to go ahead and share it anyways. Is it's it's important that we set up strong boundaries that protect our families and and. That is having to learn to say the word no, um, sometimes to really good, really important things out there, like Zoom meetings with teachers. Um, we have two kids in first and fourth grade, and our our, our teachers are learning um, the the technology, and they're wanting to, to do these things and stay connected, and it is important for our kids to stay connected, but we also know that we have certain times where our kids are working on homework stuff and times that they're not, and so if those don't align, it becomes very important for us to make a big decision as to whether or not we're going to change our whole schedule so that we can make one Zoom call for a teacher work within in what we've set up. And so again, those are those are hard decisions and there's no one size fits all. And flexibility is definitely key to everything that we're doing right now in this season. But I think one thing that um, we, we have to practice during this season is setting up boundaries and strong boundaries and learning things, even good things to say no to because we can't do it all. Yeah, I've noticed that our schedules um, have started filling up again with Zoom and other type meetings like that. Um, so I think we do have to be careful about letting everything creep back in. And like Karen said, if you are already intentional about setting your boundaries and setting up a schedule that works for you, and you be, you know, we can be as flexible as possible on that, but we do have to protect that. If it's working for us, then let's stick to that. And the you know, Zoom call with the teacher is not going to be, maybe it's, I know for my kids too, it's been an optional activity and there's a lot of optional activities. We have to lower our expectations in some ways. You know, for someone who usually would strive for the top goal in everything we do, then now is a good time to stop doing that. We don't have to have the highest level of achievement in everything we do, and we don't have to do all the optional activities because really it's a balance of demands and resources and we have way more demands right now on us than we ever do. And so we have to protect the resources we have. The other thing I'll say about going back and forth with your work throughout the day, um, I have been recommending and I've heard a few others as well recommend the idea of blocking. So if you can say, we're going to work on our schoolwork between eight and one or whatever it is, and during this time, you know, maybe if you have a spouse that can help you where you trade off with the kids during that time, or one of you is working for part of the time undisturbed, or maybe you separate the kids, whatever is working for you and your household, but know kind of the right expectations for that time. So for me, I cannot get into anything that requires a lot of focus between nine and noon or eight and noon, because that's when my kids are demanding my attention every five minutes. But I do try to set them on a trajectory so they can at least work on something. And then, you know, in the space we're working in, I try to separate us a little bit where I'm accessible, but they are in the next room or whatever it is. Um, so I'm trying to set up their independence in addition to reducing my own expectations about what can I can accomplish in those periods of time. So really just being intentional about the blocks of time can help there too. Oh, that's really good. Well, and you actually just moved me right into the next question that I was going to ask. And we've kind of started touching on these right now, but I recognize the ways in which our listeners have such a diverse 
number of expectations and jobs and roles um, on top of varying responsibilities at home. And we kind of started touching on some of these a little bit, but I'd be curious what each of you, what the both of you would say in terms of some practical ways that we can shift expectations right now because so much has changed. Like our expectations have to change along with them. Um, and so what, what are some practical ways that we can shift those expectations right now? I'll start from the work from the work side in terms of leader relationships. One of the things we know about remote work for it to be successful is we have to allow our employees to figure out how to make it work for them. That means they have to have the autonomy to structure their day and their mode of work uh, in the best possible way for them. And right now that's going to be really different for every person depending on their home environment. And so the leaders have to be aware of that. And I think try to figure out one-on-one what each employee needs from the leader, but don't micromanage from afar. If you're going to micromanage from afar, you will face more stress on your side and the employee side than needed. And so really set them up for success and make sure you figure out what they need, all the resources they need to be successful, but let them figure it out. And that kind of communication. If your leader's not initiating that with you, that's something you can initiate with them in terms of this is what I'm finding I need. And really, if your leader's not initiating any communication with you, then one of your jobs as a remote worker is to communicate with them. And as part of that conversation, you know, set up a proactive call that doesn't have any other agenda except to check in and make sure they know what you're doing and how what's working for you and what's not working for you and maybe how they can help you be even more successful. So I think as part of that, you're setting expectations. That's great. I'm really, I do want to say real quick, I'm so glad you touched on the leadership piece, Sarah. I think that that's, I just want to applaud you for that because um, that was one of the other questions that I had and you just Good. wrapped it all right in there. So thank Good. you. Good. Perfect. Yeah, something I would add to it is um, being okay with the idea of good enough. Um, I think we live in a society where we're always constantly wanting to excel, put forth our best work, and that those are those are great uh, work ethics and great qualities most of the time. But I think during the season, we have to give ourselves permission that that good enough is going to be okay during this season. And that idea of good enough is that we're doing the best that one can during a, a situation to satisfy the requirements at hand. So we're, we're, again, we're meeting the expectations, but I think sometimes, and, and this may just be a pocket of us, um, that like to go above and beyond the expectations and always have the best to turn in. And I think during the season, again, we have to give ourselves the opportunity to, to, to be, to just give good enough. And sometimes that's going to be in our work. And sometimes that's going to be during our, our family times. And, and again, we just are going to have to balance. And that's why we, I love having this conversation of work-life balance together um, because it's in both areas that we can practice this idea of good enough. Absolutely. Gosh. And even in our yeah. kids' work, I would say, <laughs> you know, yeah. sometimes mm-hmm. we, we push our kids yep. to do, well, there's five optional activities and, well, there's three questions. You really should write more on that. And I've had to let go of that for myself. I think it's a healthy thing during this, these times just to do good enough and turn it in and let's move on. Yeah. 
Yeah. I even was thinking as as you were talking about that, Karen, you were saying, you know, some people like going above and beyond. And I think obviously that's true, but I think there's like a huge chunk of us that have kind of internalized a pressure to do everything all the time. And it has to right like this, like I, I have to produce, my kids have to do these things and it's not out of enjoyment. It's like a, if we don't do these, we're failing. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that a lot of people are wrestling with right now in terms of like, what what is enough for my day if I can't do all the things I used to? And feeling, uh, you know, whether it's an I liked doing that thing or a I have to do this thing to find like this sense of value or, or whatever it is. Yeah, I'm thinking back to and, and I believe this is a Covey activity, Stephen Covey activity, um, but I might be wrong in that. I wish I had the name for it. Um, but it, it's where you really just go through and kind of prioritize your time and ask yourself every day, how important is this? And, you know, um, when does it have to be done? And, you know, really just prioritizing those activities. And I think a tool like that and thinking through the list of things that you want to get done for the week and really identifying where do you have to put your most attention in and, and identifying where can I just do good enough work? I, I think a tool like that would help us each day and each week kind of consider where we're putting our, our time and energy. And again, lessening those things that don't actually have to get done. This is a season we have to give our, ourselves permission to, to take those things off until we get into this new normal and we feel good in our new normal. And then we can pick up some of those extra things, right? Um, but for a season, it's it's okay for us not to overexcel in our in our work areas or in our family life areas as well. Good enough, yeah. No, that's really good, Sarah. Did you was there something you were going to add to that too? No, I completely agree. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. Well, I'm also thinking about you know individuals. This ties back a little bit to the leadership point that that Sarah had made before, but also really loops in the intentionality around family leisure activities. But I was going to ask, like, what are some examples of ways that we can be engaging in family leisure activities, kind of across um, various ages and stages of development, while recognizing um, the various needs that families might have. But I'm also thinking about this in terms of like from a leadership standpoint too, like how do you empower your employees to be taking time to do these things, recognizing everything's kind of up in the hair? Yeah. My initial reaction to that is that really a lot of people need permission. So I think there's there's a continuum, of course. So there are some people who will try to slack off no matter what. Like they're, they're always eager to slack off potentially. Um, Hopefully that's the minority of people. You know, I think most people feel like they have an expectation to fulfill for their leader and their team. And unless the leader gives them permission to back off a little bit and say, we need to have some grace for ourselves and for each other, then they may try to keep pushing forward, forward, forward until they just run out of energy and Mm -hmm. attention, you know? And so I think it's good to give each other permission and to acknowledge. We had a whole conversation on our team the other day about this idea of grief and how we're all going through this period of very strange period of time where we don't feel like our brains are working very well. And Mm -hmm. for a bunch of professors to openly talk about and admit with our leaders, you know, I haven't been able to think very clearly about writing like I usually would or doing these higher order tasks. It was so freeing to hear even our highest leaders say, absolutely. And let's all have a lot of grace for each other in that period Mm -hmm. of time. Yep. 
No, that's, that's really good. I do feel like leaders need to be speaking out into that as they are able to and become aware of that need themselves. So absolutely good. But Sarah or Karen, what about you? What, what are some, like, what are some examples of ways that, I mean, I, I'm especially thinking, so let me, let me kind of frame some of this too. I'm, I'm especially thinking of the families who, you know, have been doing the best that they can with the resources, time and things that they've had for so long. And this is just so different for them. And now are like, oh my gosh, what do we do? Like, how do we spend time together? So I'm even thinking about that. Like, what are some recommendations of like ways that we can be engaging in these activities now that we suddenly have all this time together? Yeah. um, I'll first go back to something we talked about is setting aside time. So just one, setting aside that time is going to be the first important piece of blocking it off and saying, this is family time. And when we say that, knowing again that we have boundaries around what that family time, again, being the, the purpose being that we're connecting during that family time, what what should be happening in it. So again, a rule for, for our family is during family time, no phones, right? So we're throwing the phones in baskets, we're putting them away. They're not coming out during our family time. Um, I, I, I think that's just a good starting point. Then what you were asking earlier about different ages and stages, that's going to look different. And for different families, they have different ages and mm-hmm. stages. And this has been, always been the interesting piece of uh, family leisure is how do you plan an activity that that meets the needs for um, all different parties? So if you have a young one that the the best that they can play when it comes to a card game is um, du- uh, not duck duck goose, but uh, go fish or something, right? And then you've got others that go fish is just not challenging or um, really a fun activity anymore, and they would prefer to uh, play games that have a little bit more strategy. There there is always that idea of 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 having to give and take, um, and this is where this is a great idea of of remembering that. Family gives us an opportunity to sacrifice sometimes our own pleasure for the pleasure of our other family members and how we take turns in that. So maybe we do set aside time and play games that meet the needs of one age group, and then we set aside time for activities that meet the needs of other age groups. This is also an important plug that mm. um, for family during family time, let's also think um, if we have a partner to take time to have couple time. Um, and that means mm-hmm. putting the kids to bed early one night of the week or multiple nights of the week and just sitting down and doing something that the parents are able to do and enjoy doing. Um, for some couples, that is just watching a show together that they can like be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe they just did that. Other times it's playing a game. Um, I, I've heard some families are doing Friday night dress up and, you know, just getting in their best clothes and having dinner together. Like, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, I, it's it's always going to be different. There's no one size fits all. I wish I so wish that I could just create some yeah. some follow these family leisure um, schedule and and you'll have a great time. But every family has different interests and different desires and needs, and so it's really about um, becoming attuned with your own family's desires and needs. Um, the one thing mm. that I think is important is to always just remember that there's activities that promote growth in our relationships. And then there's activities that promote maintenance in our relationships. 
And, and just thinking about those concepts is, is important when we think about what, what type of activities does my family need right now? Well, the question being, do we need to grow? Do we need something that's going to help us um, learn something new about each other? Or are we just all worn out and we just need something that's going to maintain the relationship between each other? And those times where we need growth within our relationship, we need more connection. Um, it's important that we add a little bit more novelty into what we're doing. And, and again, that can be somewhat challenging during this time um, when we are at home. We're not used to creating our own novel activities. We're used to um, employing the experience industry to, to create novel activities for us. But I think we can get creative. You know, it, it's possibly yeah. finding a new movie. Maybe it's ordering a new board game. It can be a lot of different things. It could be going uh, for a walk. If that's not a regular activity for your family, whatever's not regular for your family, that, that is going to be novel. And so finding what's novel for your family versus what's a familiar activity, which is going to be something that promotes more of that maintenance of the relationship. So those are mm. those would be just some things that I would think about when trying to think about how to create family leisure that's going to meet the different needs for each member. Man, I love, love, love that feedback, that advice, that input. So one thing we love asking people is about kind of their their hope for the work they're doing. And so we'd love to hear from y'all, like based on your research, right? And maybe we'll just, in the order you're on my screen, which is Sarah and then Karen, uh, based on the research and the work that you do, right? What's one hope that you have for individuals and families who are trying to kind of navigate all of this during this season? So I would say for people to realize what works for them and what doesn't and what they can learn about their how to do their job going forward. So if you realize you can be super creative in certain times of the day, sitting out on your back patio working, then maybe that's something you can integrate somehow into your job when you go back to the office. Even if it is staying at the office, maybe there's a period of time where you change up the scenery a little bit. Um, I also hope that leaders consider that as well as the employees so that they see, you know, what has worked in my team, what has worked well for each of my individual employees, and what can I institute going forward to help us all be more satisfied and successful as and really thrive as employees from what we learn from this period of time. Yeah, so I, um, I'm glad I got to go second. So I got to think about this a little more. Um, but <laughs> if <laughs> I think one of the things that I hope for is that um, families strive to create meaningful moments with their family during this time. Um, this is this is a historical time that we're living in. It's one that we will all think back in years and decades and be like, I remember where I was at during that season of life, where I was living, uh, what job I had, and and the things that happened and. And I hope that as we reflect back, we think about how even, even through the chaos and even through the, the transition and maybe even some of the hurt and pain that some of us are going through as we are moving through the season, mm -hmm. that we, mm -hmm. we remember some good times that we had with our family and how when maybe sometimes we didn't have much, we made it into something meaningful for ourselves. And so um, this is a unique time where we're actually getting more family time than we probably ever had before. 
And, and while we've been very good to talk about balance in that, I just hope that we take advantage of this opportunity that's been given to us that we might not get, um, again, who knows? We just don't know. Right. And so, um, I, with that though, I do, I do caution that more family time does not always equal quality family time. And that, um, during the season, while we're spending more time with our loved ones, there may also be more tears from loved ones that, that come as well. And, and that's okay. But we are also seeing that there is a, a spike in domestic violence. And so we just want to be mindful that it, it is important that maybe sometimes we, we create some healthy boundaries um, and that we seek help when we need it within our family relationships um, as well. So, yeah. Well, that's, that's really good. I'm glad you um, had mentioned that about the increase in um, domestic violence. And we will include links to that in the show notes for folks who may want or know of someone who needs access to those resources. So thank you for mentioning that too. I so appreciate the both of you. I appreciate, I mean, I just love you both dearly as friends, as um, colleagues who have gone through the you know this tenure track journey, we all all three of us got tenure this year, so that's fun, um, and have gotten to celebrate, yay! Um, so it's, it's thing just so I wasn't fun. Invited to. <laughs> Sorry, friend, but um, but yeah, I'm just so grateful for the both of you. I'm grateful for your wisdom and the ways in which I've had this front row opportunity to get to learn from you and your research as you're like thinking about the questions fresh. So, um, and coming up and, you know, analyzing the data and just teaching me. So thank you both. Um, well, if you would like to connect with Dr. Karen Milton, we'll have a link to her work, which is intentional.family. Um, if you'd like to connect with Sarah Perry, um, I'll include a link to her faculty page, and um, we'll have a link actually to a study that she's doing right now for those who are engaging in remote, remote work. Um, and so we'll have that in the show notes. If you'd like to connect with Robert, you can find him at robert-vore.com or on any social media at Robert Vore. Um, you could connect with me at hollyoxhandler.com or on Twitter or Instagram at hollyoxhandler. And um, you can connect with the show on any social media at CXMH Podcast. Y'all, thank you so, so much, Karen and Sarah, for coming yeah. today. Thank you for talking with us, teaching us. I loved integrating both of your work together in this episode. This was so fun. It was it fun. It has been thank really you. fun. Yeah. And I hope we can do this again sometime soon. This was, Yeah. It would be nice maybe as we're kind of moving back into a, a different normal again, right? Absolutely. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, thank you so much again for joining us and we hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening to the CXMH podcast. Want to score some major brownie points? Leave us five stars and an honest review on iTunes. Follow us on social media at CXMH Podcast and email us with questions, comments, and interview requests at CXMHpodcast at gmail.com. A final note. If you're in a dark place today, struggling with suicidal thoughts, you are not alone. Professional help is available 24-7 at 1-800-273-8255.